0: It looks like you have foiled my plan for the last time, Captain Freedom. There you lie, strapped to a board, while my minions prepare to cut you in half with my death laser. Do you have any last...
1: <coughs> Oof, I know. Seasonal allergies, right? I've been all over the galaxy this week, and everybody's red-eyed and sneezy.
0: Actually, <coughs> for me, it's it's cat dander. If anybody's been near one, it's like I'm dying in a Civil War field hospital. Anyway... Do you have any last words?
1: You bet I do, T. Wu-Fang. It's going to take more than an intergalactic crime lord and his crew of thugs hopped up on chewable psychoactive roots to stop Captain Freedom.
0: Brave words, my costumed friend.
1: I'm not your friend, T. Wu-Fang. I'm the friend of the little people trying to live a decent life in these solar systems. Even if I die here today, the message of Captain Freedom will live on. Wherever people stare at the stars and dream of... Okay,
0: stop that music. That's hero music, and I can't stand it. Just kill her.
1: Wait, I want to tell you something my father told me. When I was a little girl, he said, Doris, that's my real name, I know I haven't been very present as a father because of my interplanetary mining business, but I'm trying to make it up to you now by giving you this really impractical pet, a cougar lope. Now, Simba!
0: It is the dreaded puma and antelope hybrid that does not adapt well to domestic life. Flee, my henchmen! <coughs> Also, my kingdom for a Zyrtec.
1: Get him, Simba! No, not that guy! He was kind and loosened my straps! And you just ripped out his trachea. Okay, they're on the run now. Can you ease up? Simba! Simba! See, this is the problem with exotic pets. They're great until they're not. So listen to this show. And now he lowers his blood pressure by petting his honey badger. I'm pretty sure that's an animal. Colin McEnroe.
2: No, it's definitely an animal. That's what I do. But um, no, I don't have a honey badger. And we are basically not in favor of uh, having exotic pets, especially the cougar lope, which you just heard, uh, which uh, should not be kept in a house or anything like a house, even if you have a large yard. We're going to be talking about the dangers of exotic pets. I mean, I know, I, mean, I think everybody at some point has seen a picture of something, you know, some really interesting, maybe a cute little animal, a teacup animal, or a... Uh, a kinkajou or something like that, and you think, oh, I would really like That would be so great to have one. I'd love to have a monkey. Um, And ideally, that's sort of where the whole conversation that you're having with yourself stops. You don't actually do this because there are all kinds of ways in which this plays plays out that are uh, not good for the animal and uh, maybe not even good for you. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, We've got two wonderful guests for you. Uh, In just a second, you're going to meet, although you already know her, Tippy Hedren. I kind of screamed when I heard that Tippy Hedren was going to be on the show. I got very excited. I'm very excited about Tim Harrison too. I just haven't seen as many of his movies. So Tippy Hedren, of course, Golden Globe winning award, Golden Globe award winning actress, who's appeared in over 80 movies and TV shows, uh, probably best known for *The Birds*. Uh, she's also a dedicated animal rights activist who founded the Large Cat Sanctuary Shambhala, Shambala, Shambala, as well as the Roar Foundation, whose mission it is to educate the public on the dangers of owning exotic animals. Before we get to her, though, we're going to talk to tim harrison they're both with us for the whole show we do hope you'll feel free to call in at 860-275-7266 tim harrison's joining us from the studios of wyso in yellow springs ohio he's the director of outreach for animals a nonprofit again dedicated to the rescue and placement of wild animals kept as exotic pets he's also the subject of the award-winning documentary the elephant in the living room and is currently working on the upcoming documentary american tiger so um tim harrison just to get the ball rolling here um, when we say exotic pets, I mean, what, are, what kind of animals are we talking about? What kinds of animals do people actually wind up perhaps ill-advisedly keeping?
3: Well, the ones that I worry about, and I don't worry about guppies and geckos. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm for the dangerous, wild, and exotic animals. Those are the ones that, as a police officer, firefighter, paramedic for 29 years and teach for Homeland Security – I don't want these in people's homes for public safety aspect of it and also for the animal safety, too, because these animals are not fed properly and they usually not, don't have the vaccinations or the medications needed that you have for your typical dog. So you're, you're putting these animals in a situation where, like Chris Rock said it perfectly, he's my big cat expert. I hate to say it. Yeah. When, when Siegfried and Roy, when Roy was attacked by uh, Montecor, his mm-hmm. white tiger, Everybody was on the radio shows. Everybody was saying all this stuff, and I happened to be on a radio show that he came on later, and he said that uh, everybody said the, the tiger turned on Roy yeah. and he says, "No, no, 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 that tiger didn 't turn on Roy. that tiger went tiger, and that was the greatest tiger show ever put on stage because that 's what a tiger 's supposed to do it 's not supposed to do magic tricks, jump through hopes or blow bubbles for the magicians. It's supposed to kill. Open the book and look at it. This is what it is, the largest predatory cat in the world. Perfect house pet, right? No. This is what we're up against. We're trying to keep people back. My organization is the number one advocate for proper behavior around wildlife, and we're all cops, firemen, paramedics, emergency room doctors, and veterinarians. We all got together to try to teach. It's because we're not getting it on TV, and we sure as heck ain't get it in our educational system.
2: Um, as a Chris Rock scholar, I, I would like to point out that he says actually that the, the tiger didn't go crazy. The tiger went tiger. He says when the tiger was wearing the German army helmet and riding around on a bicycle, that's when the tiger was crazy. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but when the, when the tiger attacked somebody, that, he was just being a tiger, as you, as you say you say. Just being to a there. tiger. So, Tippi um, Hedren, let's uh, add you to the conversation. Um, and we should begin by saying that one of the reasons that you are as passionate as you are about this subject, is you're kind of a reformed exotic animal owner, right? You you went down the other path at first. Uh, tell us about your experience with a lion.
4: Uh, with uh, a lion, uh, I've rescued over 250 big cats uh, since 1972. Uh, but, you know, then the situation with Roy, uh, uh, yes, that tiger was really going right into instinct uh, mode, uh... Roy had a stroke on stage mm-hmm. and it's the instinctive dictate of these animals to take out any being animal human whatever if they're sick old uh... whatever and um, uh, you know poor monocore he had to say gee sorry roy you're my best buddy you raised me you fed me with a bottle and we've had a lot of fun and you taught me how to be so elegant up on stage but you're sick and i'm sorry i have to take you out
2: well, I know and he one th-
4: grabbed him by the neck and, and took him off stage. Mm. And uh, had there not been a whole number of humans um, backstage to help him, I don't think Roy would have been here.
2: So, but, but Tippy Hedron, one way that you learned the powerful and somewhat bitter lesson about this was uh, as a, uh, in, earlier in your life. I, I believe you didn't you have a, a pet lion yourself named Neil.
4: Uh, no, that was not my lion. That, uh, there's been so many uh, statements, especially lately, uh, about the movie that we did, Roar. Mm. Uh, Neil was a working lion, and we wanted to do some publicity shots because we were going to do a film uh, about the animals in the wild, and we chose the lion beca- and tiger uh, because they are so fascinating. And, um, of course, uh, um, Apex Predators one of the most dangerous animals in the world. And um, uh, why we did that, I, you know, it was uh, uh, because they are so beautiful, they are so fascinating, and we didn't really know anything about them when we first started. And, um, you know, so our, our lives were a beginning a journey that um, fortunately with uh, all of the accidents that did happen, um, during the filming of the of the movie, uh, that I became so aware of these big cats being born in captivity right here in the United States to be sold as a pet for financial exploitation of some kind. And uh, it, there were no laws in uh, our government um, prohibiting this. And, um, uh, you know, we did this during the 70s. The movie took us five years to, to, to finish because we'd run out of money. We had a horrible flood that came through here that uh, knocked us out for a year. Um, you know, there, um, I would be doing a movie, you know, all those different things that life, life throws at us. And, um, but by 1980, I'm thinking, why, why aren't there any laws? And so I co-authored a law, a bill uh, titled the um, Captive Wildlife Safety Act, which was a baby step uh, to stop the interstate traffic of these big cats to be sold as a pet for, for financial gain or for, you know, for, um, uh, shows and that sort of thing. And um, um, I got it passed.
2: Um, Tim Maybe Harrison, can... yeah, Tim. let me just go over to Tim Harrison for a second. I, I do want to talk about the state of laws here. I mean, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and obviously it differs from place to place, but I'm guessing if I have a tiger, if I have an elephant, um, somebody's going to come to my house a uh, game warden, a state cop or something, and say... Yeah,
4: unfortunately, you, uh, it depends on what state you're in. True,
2: true. Let me uh, Absolutely. Tippy, tippy, let me just uh, get Tim to talk a little bit about this first. Um, but I also assume there are a lot of things that I probably can own, that there are monkeys, birds, reptiles, hedgehogs, prairie dogs, sugar gliders, uh, things like that that I might want to own. And I'm guessing maybe I shouldn't own them, but th- th- I would guess there also aren't going to be necessarily laws saying I can't.
3: Well, I just came from the state of Oklahoma where I spoke at the animal conference, first one in the United States of America, and they have no laws there. The Mm. people from Ohio that we just passed the laws there to have dangerous, wild, and exotic animals curbed and no auctions moved their auctions in the state of Oklahoma, so they're moving around the country. I want to tell you that Tippy is the person who got me to change my lifestyle, too. I used to capture them, raise them, help take care of them for other facilities. When I was younger, and both I watched her evolve into what she became, this great person that I looked up to. I evolved in the same pattern following what she did. And she's a person I looked up – and her and I are working on now the Big Cats and Public Safety Protection Act, which she'll talk about that a little later about that. But we put the public safety part of it – you guys are forgetting – Police officers and firefighters are always the first ones on the scene. Here in Connecticut, when a chimpanzee rips a woman's face off, it sure as heck ain't the zoo. It's the police officers and the firefighters. And listen to that 911 call, and you'll hear the, the stress in those men's voices and women's voices when they had to respond to that. San Francisco Zoo, tiger gets loose, kills a boy, seriously injures two. It was two police officers off the street that was called in. It was not the response team from the, uh, there. So we're always the first ones on the scene. So we added that to that so people have that common-sense approach. You keep a tiger in your house and we don't know about it, there's going to be some serious uh, complications when there's a house fire or something like that occurs. But I want you to also think for a second, too, which you talking about people owning these animals. If you do buy a prairie dog or you buy something that's not dangerous— you can't say it's not dangerous, we'll talk about zoonotics later. When we almost lost a movie director over a, a mite bacterial infection, he went down for four months and lost skin off self, 30 pounds, and almost died from an infection he got from some animals that he was dealing with. You got zoonotic things from a prairie dog, a monkey pox, things of that nature too. So you have to be careful with whatever animal you buy. But if you're going to get a gecko or guppy, keep it for the rest of its life because that's disrespect for you just to buy it, play with it, and just dump it.
2: Um, I would assume that's another part of the problem, right? I mean, you're describing the, the worst-case scenario probably, which is uh, something like what we did have in Connecticut with Travis the Chimp, or, but whether it's yes. a lion or, 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 or anything else, uh, first responders having to show up. But, the, I mean, the other pattern is every once in a while we'll see a mountain lion running around, and we wonder, mm-hmm. is it a wild mountain lion or did somebody have a pet that's, mountain lion and just let it, good, let it go? That's good,
1: Colin.
3: Look at the documentary, The Elephant in the Living Room. It's on Netflix, iTunes, and Amazon. They sell them by the hundreds at these auctions, the hundreds, Black Panther Cubs. And they turn them loose, born free. Look what happened in the Everglades. Watch the documentary with the first ones of film down there with the head people of Florida. We knew they were releasing pythons in the Everglades. Nobody listened. Government officials didn't want anything to do anything about it until it was too late. Now it's the biggest eco disaster in North America's history. They're eating everything. We need to curb this pet industry. Tippy's right on it when it comes to breeding. We have to stop the breeding. Watch the documentary. They're giving these tigers away. There's so many of them being bred. Right now in Kansas, they're trying to get a law passed. They just had a girl, Haley, it's called Haley's Law, killed, getting her picture taken, getting her picture taken for a prom. She was killed in Kansas. They're looking to pass laws now so they can bring cats out, 40 pounds or less, out on a leash and still get your picture taken. Let me tell you something. Anyone crazy enough... To think they can control a big cat on the leash is only less crazier than someone who lets their family get their picture taken or interact with that big cat. Yeah, we have to only stop this.
4: But the, after that, that uh, young age of when they can't do those photographs anymore, what happens to that animal? Where, where are they going to go with it? They won't be able to make any money with it, and what's going to happen to it? This
3: is all
4: exotic uh, uh, business. Is is a nightmare and a half. There have been there have been um, Twenty-three deaths since 1920, uh, 1992, 102 injuries caused by big cats. I mean, that, yeah,
3: like some, that alone
4: yeah. is enough to, you know, aside from the fact that how do you house the animal? How do you know how to yes. take care of it? How do you know what to feed it? Um, oh, how are you going to protect it from your neighbors? And uh, I, it, it's so go- that um and unfortunately they are beautiful they're adorable as cubs and everybody says oh i got to have one and um, that's why it's the- well, important to get
3: this stopped the, well, you um, can buy a tiger, Colin, you can buy a tiger, but you can't buy common sense. Right.
2: Well, somebody is either going to call up this show over the course uh, of the show at 860-275-7266 or email me later and say, well, you know, what did Tippy Hedren say? There's 23, 26 deaths over this period of time. I'm sure dogs kill a lot more people than
3: that. Um, I, so, like to re- I like to respond. Is to that oh, Yeah. Okay? Yeah, so, yeah so, is that all right? So, go ahead and respond.
4: None of those statements, Wash.
3: No, no, and think of it this way. Tippy's absolutely 100% right. You got maybe 10,000 to 15,000 cats. Nobody knows for sure. Okay, you got millions of dogs. So the statistics go against what they're saying. And besides that, you got to start thinking about this. We work with emergency room doctors now. And they don't have a box to check that they had a tiger attack, but they sure as heck have a box to check if a cat scratches you. They've got three-inch paperwork they have to go through the combined health district. You know, you have to have a license for your dog, but you don't have to have license anything for a lion. No rabbi, rabies, rabies shot. There's no history to, to follow up on attacks or anything down the road. I know of five or six attacks that never made statistics because they never made the news. The thing is, is we don't know for sure what's going on out there, and we don't know for sure because we have no way to c- can continually have that information. Brent Kendra was killed by a bear and partially eaten in Cleveland, Ohio at Sam Mazzola's uh, wrestling bear show. He's partially eaten, killed. People can look this up. His his autopsy says accident at work. Where mm. do you find a bear in that?
2: Right. Well, that that it seems to leave out a really important part of the description anyway. So Yes. <laughs> So Tippy, maybe you can just say a little bit more about this black market. In other words, I wouldn't know how to buy a tiger or a rhino. I guess people actually do buy rhinos. I wouldn't know how to do this. How do people? Well, unfortunately,
4: yeah. it's very easy. In, in most states, you can look it up. Look it up in your newspaper. Look it up and look them up on on uh, on, on you know, the website. Yeah. They're they're very easily purchased and found. If you really want to, and I, I guarantee it, and, uh, you pick up your, your um, um, uh, uh, Internet and you'll be able to find one in, in five minutes.
2: And, Tim, I assume one of the things that's driving this is, is, as usual, money. I mean, I don't know, since we don't know the size of the black market or the numbers of these animals that, that are in domestic situations now, I'm assuming the money is a very hard thing to put digits into. But, I mean, do you have a sort of a sense of how much this is worth to the people who are selling these animals at, at auction
3: and, and in other ways? First of all, this isn't black market. Hmm. As you'll see in the documentary, it's all legal. It's straightforward. It's legal. You can come get whatever you want and take it in, out, of, out of your state. It's, it's against the law to take it out of your state because the tippy did a great job getting those laws passed. But who's going to govern it? Who's going to police that? Now, let me tell you, you, you sit there and talk about all this stuff, why, you know, why people do these things and why they get involved with it. I have learned, and so did the director, Michael Weber, who did the documentary, The Elephant in the Living Room, learned that people were doing it as monkey see, monkey do. It wasn't just the financial reason. They wanted to get an animal. Whatever they saw on TV By Steve Irwin. When reality TV kicked in in 1995, that's when my nightmare started. We went from five to six calls a year before that had been doing this for 43 years. Five or six calls a year to over 100 calls the very next year for the most dangerous animals in the world. It's just like 101 Dalmatians. Every time it's shown, monkey see, monkey do. Everybody's got to go out and buy themselves a Dalmatian. Finding Nemo. You know, in a whole movie, it says, don't put me in an aquarium. What people do? $13.5 billion a year industry in the next two years selling clownfish. Everybody had to have one. So we have to get control of the educational facilities, also get control of what we're seeing on the media. And that's one thing Tippy's really good at. She's really getting that information out. But I'm telling you right now, when you have to tell people, don't put your hands in an alligator's mouth. That's, <laughs> yeah. Something's missing in the elementary schools and something's missing in the junior highs and the colleges because they watch the Gator Boys that do exactly what they do on those shows. And then we have a nightmare. I rescue 29 alligators out of the state of Ohio. That's more alligators than they had in some areas of Florida. It's ridiculous.
2: Uh, Tippy, as he's saying, the industry that you come from is a very powerful messenger about this. I am of an age that I remember a TV show that starred Anne Francis called Honey West, and mm-hmm. Honey, yes. Honey, Honey West had an ocelot, um, yes, she did. I, I remember going to my parents and saying, can I have an ocelot?
4: Of course, and why wouldn't you? you? You saw it on TV. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it was a pet. Right. Oh, of course. Yeah.
2: So, what yeah. would you have told my parents if they went, to, if they called you up as they often did, Tippy, and said, "Colin wants an ocelot. What should we tell him?" What, what's the answer to that question?
4: Uh, okay, you're dealing with an apex predator. Uh, these are top of the food chain, which means they have instincts that you cannot control, and they're they. It is their duty to take out. I've said it before. Any old, sick, lame. Whatever. Uh, Or it's just a whim that they have to take care of in their own brain. And um, they will attack. And when they do, honest to God, with a lion or a tiger, there isn't much you can do to stop it. Um, Uh, A bullet to the bullet to the brain.
2: Right. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, Both Tippy and Tim have many other things they'd like to tell us. If you've got questions, 860-275-7266. If you'd like to turn your Python over to Tim right now, give us a call.
0: 860-275-7266.
2: All right. This is our show about exotic pets. Uh, with us uh, are Tippy Hedren. I don't. If I have to tell you who Tippy Hedren is, something has gone very wrong with America. Uh, Tim Harrison's with us. Uh, he is the director of outreach for Animals, a nonprofit dedicated to the rescue and placement of wild animals kept as exotic pets. Tippy's also uh, the founder of a large cat sanctuary called Shambala. Uh, so, uh, uh, Tim Harrison, I'm going to start with you on this, but I'd love to hear from both of you about this. So, let's say that somehow or other, I do wind up owning an ocelot or some kind of large animal that I really shouldn't own. Some Tippy says apex predator. I just my my, did, my parents didn't listen to Tippy or what, whatever. Somehow or other I've got this animal and now I've started to realize it was a big mistake. On the other hand, I feel like if I call up the Connecticut Game Warden or the state police or something, I'm going to be in trouble. You know, and and so and I also don't want to release it into the wild. I sort of get why well, that's not a good idea. So what do I do? What what I, I our science reporter, Patrick Scahill, says that there are some states do have a kind of a no-questions-asked exotic drop-off. Uh, under I mean, what do I do with this animal that I now realize is a big mistake?
3: Well, what you said there is kind of a not true. Okay. What they do is sometimes they'll have one day a, uh, a year where you can bring your exotics in, like Florida's and some of like New York City's starting to do that now. Mm-hmm. But what happens is people buy a tiger because everybody wants a tiger cub, but they don't want a tiger. When it gets to that baptism in reality, when they realize it's mm-hmm. not that surgically altered one, it was on Jay Leno with his claws removed and his canine sanded down, a little sedation to take the edge off. They get this baptism, and they're like, holy, you know, where am I going to go now? I'm kind of like the last resort. Tippy's the last resort. We're here to help. We've got 21 sanctuaries right now we're working with across the country. I know I am working across the country for reptiles, primates, bears, big cats that are getting more foundation money. Before, they weren't getting anything. Now, with the documentary being out, with the work Tippy's doing, we're getting the word out. So we're getting good, solid, credited sanctuaries out there, hopefully making retirement facilities for these animals. And I tell people out there, please, whatever you do, don't send your animal to one where they have on their Facebook somebody holding a tiger cub. We don't need any more tiger cubs. Jack Hanna said something at the Zanesville Massacre. I was at the Zanesville Massacre also. It was a horrible situation in the state of Ohio. Fifty-six animals turned loose on the city of Zanesville, lions, tigers, bears, everything you can think of, like Jumanji. And he said there was 18 endangered Bengal tigers killed in the state of Ohio. And Bob Barker, everybody went crazy. They went nuts because it was so sad. I had to get on Fox and Friends, CNN, all the shows and say, wait a minute, it's worse than that. They were 18 not endangered tigers, but mutts, mixed, interbred fourth-generation Ohio Buckeye Tigers bred in somebody's backyard. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere at all. They're going to have to go to these retirement facilities, and that's what we're doing right now. We're working to combine together, just like I did at the animal conference, great group of people out there to get ready, gird your loins. Let's find places for these animals to go. Let's pass laws that we don't breed anymore, and now we can let these animals live out a best life they can, not the, not the greatest they had because wild would be the greatest, but the best life they can Till till, uh, we have no more left.
2: Tippy, will you take any big cat at Shambhala? um, Absolutely, uh, yeah. And what what would I have to do? Just call up and say, I've got to. All you
3: have to do is call
4: us and uh, we'll uh, uh, make the arrangements to uh, have it brought here. And, And And a lot of that goes through Tim.
2: But doesn't that occasionally involve taking, I mean, not every big cat is probably created equal in terms of temperament, behavior, aggressiveness.
1: It
4: doesn't matter. They shouldn't be, uh, they they shouldn't have an opportunity to have any kind of contact with a human. And uh, uh, they are who they are. And uh, they are, I'll say it again, apex predators, top of the food chain, one of the most dangerous animals in the world. And you're never going to change that. So what they need to do is be in an enclosure where it isn't just an eight by ten cage or whatever the stupid minimum is that, that the, the uh, government has uh, said that you can keep an animal in. Uh, at Shambhala we have uh, have um, facilities for them that are th- uh, three quarters of an acre. So they they hand the tigers all have running water. They have a river that goes through their uh, compounds and uh but they they don't even like us i mean they don't (laughs) need to have our our hugs and kisses they don't need it and they don't want it and uh, that's one thing that people have to realize these animals don't care about us it's we who think they are so beautiful and so wonderful that they should be a pet, and it's just a l- lot of bad thinking. And we have to have to inform people that they are, they never will be a good pet. You can never ever trust them, and uh, you're foolish if you do, and you will get hurt. You know, I was hurt. My daughter was hurt. My two stepsons were hurt. My then husband was hurt during that movie that we made.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, so I know of where I speak.
2: So, Tim, um, there are some people who are listening to this show and they're they're thinking, well, yeah, I get that. That, I mean, anybody who wants to own a cheetah is nuts. But, I mean, when Tim was said a few minutes ago that one of the worst exotic pet explosions he's ever seen was the clownfish craze right after the release of Finding Nemo. Well, I got got a clownfish. I mean, that's not the same as having a a cheetah. Tim, what's your answer to that?
3: Well, we could throw in, uh, you, know, you know about lionfish, the problem they have off Florida, right? The exotic lionfish that's actually venomous, that was, very, was brought along, and people started buying them out of pet stores all across the United States of America, and people didn't want them anymore, they couldn't take them else. they turned them loose into Florida. We know about the Chinese carp, another fish that was brought in as a, as a, as a pet or whatever it is, it's turned loose, now it's overtaking our own environment. We have to be careful with bringing these things into our environment anyway, into our part of the world. But when you go to the clownfish, to me, it's a disrespect. I'm so sick of man versus nature TV shows where everything is just, you know, we're fighting everything. We want something. We'll take it. This is American phenomena for us bringing these animals in, too. You don't see it in Australia. You don't see it in South Africa where they respect the animals. You know, it took Tippy and I a while to learn to respect these more animals for what they are because we learned along the way. We, 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 uh, you know, evolved. But when you have your clownfish, tell me the truth. Do you think that clownfish is going to be totally happy in that aquarium for the rest of his life? Watch Finding Nemo and then make that decision. Right. I mean, it's weird because Finding Nemo kind of is a message about what what happens. Um, But think about about it, too. Every show we have on TV – I took one video one time, and I I play it at colleges when I go around. The entire animal planet, monster sharks, monster bears, monster this, man versus nature, man this – What happened to us being part of the environment, not an obnoxious outsider like some crashing through uh, Australia and the old, that's what got us started doing this stuff, diving on everything, wrestling everything, upsetting everything to strike TV cameras. We need to get back. And that's why the San Francisco newspaper out there called me Mr. Rogers with an attitude. I think it's time to bring gentleness back and show people we can be part of the environment and not have to be obnoxious outsiders.
2: Tippy, do you, do you feel the same way about some of these smaller animals? I mean, people like to get prairie dogs and hedgehogs and sugar gliders. I don't even, I don't even know what a sugar glider is, but I know people like to get them, right? And, and they don't seem as, as problematic to some people anyway as a cheetah or an ocelot or a mountain lion. Yeah.
4: You know what, what? On our education programs, when the, the students come, my main statement is not one wild animal should be a pet whether it's a little squirrel in your backyard or a siberian tiger none of them should be a pet and that should just be a a law and kids should learn to respect those animals in their own environment learn about them yes watch them or whatever but do not bring them home and put them in a cage absolutely not because you're either going to kill it because it will die of a broken heart, um, they need to be out in their natural habitat, living the way they should be living, and, and then you can really enjoy that animal. I mean, I, I, don't, I'm not even, uh, I don't even approve of, of the zoos. I feel so sorry for those animals, and they say, oh, it's for conservation. Conservation for what? To stay behind a fence for the rest of their lives? And people gawking at them. Mm -hmm. And what do they learn from that animal standing behind a fence? They could put a cardboard cutout. So, Tim, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that, and I, I don't care. That's all right.
3: Hey, Tippy, well, I'm going to tell your story here in a minute. Go right ahead. Ask me, Colin.
2: Hey, well, Tim, um, uh, one thing I was going to say is my understanding is sometimes you've gone kind of undercover at some of these animal au- au- auctions. Absolutely. And what, Absolutely. What, do you, what do you see there? I mean, uh, give us we a, give us a call, story. Tell us a story.
3: What do you see there? is watch the documentary, The Elephant and the Livering, but you'll see it on there. But I'm going to give you a visual right now. But you go in and you see stacks of boxes on top of each other with cubs, tiger cubs, leopard cubs, uh, all kinds of all kinds of dangerous exotic animals as cubs because everybody wants them in their cubs. But you you go in there and it's it's all these uh, illegal people. I hate to say it because they're not really illegal, but they're doing an illegal thing to me, immoral thing. But there's basically zoo babies that are there. You don't see zoo teenagers where you wonder where they go. That's why in Ohio I push for microchipping cats So we can find out where these cats go, because when I catch a tiger or a leopard loose, as you'll see in the documentary, nobody raises their hand, says, hey, that's my cougar. Can I have it back? It's my tiger, a cobra. Can I have it back? So we want to be able to find out where these animals are going. But I tell you a quick story at the Columbus Zoo before a documentary was released to the public, to the the hundreds of different theaters and uh, and uh, and uh, 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 film festivals it went to. I asked a family of four walking out of the Columbus Zoo. I found a, f- a husband, a father, uh, or a, f- a husband and wife, and two girls. And they came out. and I said, Hey, how- do you like the zoo? Yeah. I said, what, Do you want to get a monkey? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to get a tiger cub? Dad said, Yeah. If I get the money, I'm going to get a tiger cub. Well, here's four tickets to the elephant in the living room. It's playing right down here at this art house in Columbus. Could you please, sit- and when you get done, I want to ask you the same question. So when they came out, they had tears running down their face. They said, No, I don't want a lot tiger. I don't want a leopard. That shows you we need to get back to education. I'm not totally against AZA zoos, but I can tell you right now, Tippy said a beautiful comment years ago that I use at every one of my programs. You know what makes more money than zoos? The traveling uh dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not alive, and more people go see them than they do the live animals at a zoo. So, you know, we've got to think of it on a, on a realistic basis. If you want money, Start thinking of that way. Let's do it the business wise. Okay, maybe it's, we we can make more money by making these animatronic animals like the dinosaurs, and then uh, instead of having a live creature there to uh, for us to Google at.
2: I mean, we we should say too that I think when people hear you talk, Tim, they're thinking, mm-hmm. well, this is somebody who has four acres and they got you know this or that animal to range around in it. You've gone into apartments that had. Did you go to an apartment oh, yes. that had a bear in it? Am
3: I do I have that right? Oh oh, Boy, yeah, I, 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 I lost. Yeah. white tigers that's right, everything we've Tippy and I have been through apartments uh, you know we're talking basements, garages that's where these animals end up at because well, they have no idea how to house them they, have, they never read a book. they bought them in as a knee jerk reaction at these auctions. i'm telling you, just like in the movie, you put a tiger cub in somebody's hand at one of these auctions they'll take it home, try to raise it their own. Because they don't think ahead. That's the American thought. It's American phenomena of I'm going to take this animal home and it's going to act like the one on Jay Leno that's surgically altered or sedated. Could,
2: could you just walk me through, like, going to, somebody, okay, so, going to somebody's apartment where there's a bear? <laughs>
3: I mean, I mean okay. how, how does that, like, <laughs> like,
2: knock on the door and say, excuse me? <laughs> I mean,
3: what, what, what's that? Well, the, what happens? Well, the best one is, I, I, this is one of the, my favorite stories, is that there was a black bear named Cubby. Black Bear nobody knew about it. It was an apartment building on one of our poor sides of town in Dayton, Ohio. It was a downtown. So people thought it was a rottweiler in there. A bunch of noises were being made. Furniture were being knocked around. So people thought the guy had a big dog. Well, the guy ended up leaving the apartment, left the bear. That's a typical story because he didn't have any money. He lost money. didn't have any way to take care of it. So the bear is left in this empty apartment. He abandons it. The woman next door starts cooking spaghetti and heavy garlic sauce. So it starts wafing. The smell starts wafing through the building. Spare smells that. And starts tearing through the drywall. And it was a beautiful picture. I, I'm an artist. I drew a, drew a cartoon for the kids when I do programs. Of the bear ripping through the wall with his eyes closed, going like this. This woman throws her pan up a spaghetti in the air and takes off running screaming. And he's starting to eat the spaghetti. So the police get there, and they're calling for help. And, you know, the zoo ain't coming. The museum ain't coming. There nobody's nobody coming. So I show up. And I'm trying to figure out how to get this bear out without having to get it shot or killed. And you don't want to shoot anything, especially downtown either. You know, you might may go through the walls and kill somebody. So I get there and I'm looking at this situation. I don't advise anybody to do this. They don't, you know. It, but I walked over and I'm looking at it and this bear is so hungry, he's just eating that spaghetti and stuff that's in the pan. So I picked up the pan by both handles and I walked that bear down the stairs with officers with their rifles out <laughs> standing next to me. We walked him all the way down and threw the pan into the paddy wagon. The bear jumps in the bagging wagon just to finish just to finish eating. We closed the door and we took him to a, what I thought was a reputable sanctuary at the time. But later down the road, I, I, as I say, I evolve. I find out what's good and what's bad. But we did get the bear out of there safely without having him shot. But that's a pretty much a, a typical. I hate to say a typical story, isn't it, Tippy? That's fairly uh, typical. Yeah, but
4: you know, you could you you just uh, probably saved that bear's life and several humans by being yes. smart and. Uh, you know, doing what that animal needed to do. You know, all of these animals are thinking, feeling beings. They're born with a job to do. And when we take them out of that situation and put them in an enclosure, it's like, okay, let's say to this human, I'm going to put you in this room now, and this is where you're going to live for the rest of your life. Life. We'll give you some books. We'll give you food. you give, you know, whatever, you know, a musical instrument to learn, whatever. Uh, but this is where you're going to live for the rest of your life, and you have no choice. And that's what we are doing with these wild animals, and it's, it's, it's indecent, it's wrong, and um, we have to uh, uh, get these kids thinking differently about, about uh, how, how we've been treating uh, wild animals.
2: Tim and, Tim and Tippy, we've got a phone call right here from Mike in Colchester. With, I mean, after the story that Tim just told, I don't think we're going to have anything that can really match that. But here's Mike from Colchester. Hi. Tell us your story.
0: Well, I had a, a pat, an African snakehead a couple of years ago. I know they've outlawed them now. Um, I know they had a big problem down in Florida with them. I guess they grow to 20 feet plus. <laughs> um, I had one within three months. It grew Six ten times its size.
2: So yeah. th- this is a fish, we should say first of all.
0: Um, yeah, from the from the Amazon, I believe.
2: Yeah. So yeah. W- so we can t- uh, t- Tim, I can tell. Hear you. You're restless <laughs> already. Tell us about snakeheads.
0: I had to. Well, I had. I, I couldn't do nothing with it. I had it in a ninety gallon tank. It got too big. I had to. I guess I had to throw it away.
3: Sushi. What do you mean by throwing it away?
0: Well, I ended up giving it to somebody with a larger tank, but then it ended up dying okay. because it was too small. Right.
3: Uh-huh. Um, I was just hoping it wasn't turned loose in the environment. Like no, you know, I've, it's, it's I've not,
0: heard of them I've heard of them yeah. doing that and they've desecrated oh yeah, yeah. like whole ecosystems of ponds
1: and
3: so Well, I appreciate you not doing that. Now anybody that's listening, please do not turn your animals loose. Contact us at Outreach for Animals. They'll put that information on for you, hopefully at the uh, radio station there. And we'll the be more Shambhala than happy to sit
4: org. Shambhala Shambhala.org. Shambhala.org. Get on. So, yeah,
2: Tim, with both of us. tell us about snakeheads. I mean, they get even bigger than he said, I think, right, don't they?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, and they are horrible for the environment, absolutely destroying the environment. When, and you can't take – it's so simple. We get that called chain of life, This, you know, the circle of life, hoop of life if you're Native American. That chain, you take that – you break that link and you take that animal and place it somewhere else and you, you've destroyed – the environment all the way around. It's just basic biology, and people don't seem to want to get that. They don't understand it. But I do understand, too, I have to say that the people do not want to kill their pets either, like the pythons. That's when we found out 20 years ago these people released them in the Everglades because they would actually call for help, and I can only do so many of them. I mean, there's thousands. I'm not calling. There's thousands, thousands of reptiles out there that need homes, not hundreds, thousands. And there's no place for everything to go, and these people have good hearts they're going to turn them loose. So we have to find a way to to stop the sell of them and the breeding because one one Python can can have like a, a you know a hundred hundred young. So we need to be able to curb that a little bit or curb the appeal and that's why you have to go to these TV shows. I defy anybody out there that tell me when they watch Steve Irwin. That he did not tease an animal striking a TV camera and that your neighbor didn't go off and get themselves an alligator because they watched that show. Because my director found out the hard way. I told him to ask. He says, Tim, you're blaming the media too much. I said, you start asking the people while we're filming the film. Every one of them said it's because they watched Animal Planet or Discovery Channel. They were awesome possums with tigers. Or they were doing this over here, uh, Steve Irwin with the snakes. It was a connect the dots. It was just too simple.
2: It could be said that Steve Irwin also did find out the hard way. Um, Yeah,
3: with with a real wild animal. And that's really sad, too, because a bunch of people went out and killed stingrays. Timothy Treadwell, we don't go too far. That's Australia. We'll come back to the United States. The grizzly man. Yep. Here he was supposed to save the grizzlies, and he ended up getting his girlfriend killed, himself killed, and the bears that he was supposed to be taking care of. Please, people, keep the distance. Just like Tippy said, let's yeah, enjoy them at a distance. not get a
4: wild animal. Just stop yeah. the whole thing. That's uh, yes. that's why we need the laws in place because uh, there really isn't any way. It, it, it's so hard to m- make people understand. I mean, we can't reach everyone, and they are going to be, uh, these animals are going to be for sale and there will always be somebody to buy them so that's where we end up with um, having to have the laws in place Um, uh, at least with the big cats with if we could get the big cats and public safety protection act passed that will will help a great deal Uh, but there has to be some common sense used and that's where we run into a problem,
2: don't we? Well, we think our yeah. we think our listeners have some common sense and they don't put the snake heads in the toilet. We did send, uh, well, Josh L- N- Nilea, who's the guy who produced this show, and it's done such a fabulous job of getting Tippi and Tim for us, uh, he went out into the streets to ask people what they think about exotic pets. Here's a little bit of what he heard.
4: Have you ever thought about owning any type of exotic animal for a
3: pet? No,
1: because I went to a pet show once and they talked about parrots and how much work they are and how long they live and it seemed like just too much to do.
0: Yeah, but I would never do it. I think it's cruel to keep an exotic animal locked up where they shouldn't be. Yes. Well, my buddy lives in Costa Rica and he's actually adopted a pet sloth or, uh, you know, some kind of like a monkey. Would you do that? Yeah, I'd probably lean more towards the sloth. I've heard some... Bad stories about orangutans and monkeys, so.
4: No, never. Sister who is a wildlife veterinarian, and there's no way we would ever own an exotic pet. <laughs> I'd have an alligator or a giraffe <laughs> or even like an iguana. Never.
1: Never.
0: never.
2: No. No. And no. no, what is that? Because they're called wild animals for a reason. Exactly. And they shouldn't be in the home with people. See, Tim and Tippy Our people here in Connecticut. They get it, except for the sloth guy. Um, they get it. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We can even talk about sloths uh, if you want. I think Kristen Bell is the actress who's into sloths, gets everybody all stirred up about uh, having those. But let's take a break. We'll come back with more of Tim and Tippy. No regrets, Coyote. We just come from such different sets of circumstances. I'm up all night in the studios and you're up.
1: The way that movies drive the popularity of wild pets makes me wonder what's going to happen when Disney's Edwin the Monkey with Herpes comes out this summer. Today's show was produced by Josh Nalea and me, Kayone Wolf. Our interns are Julia Pistel and Kelsey Bissell. Greg Hill appeared in the intro and tweets for us at WNPR The part of Bill Curry was played by Vanilla Ice. For show pages, articles, and videos of the Faith Middleton show staff with their pet conga donkey, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's nose, is taking over The Daily Show harder than running for president? And now back to Colin. And
2: this is our show about the ill-advisedness of owning exotic pets. I would like to point out that villain Vanilla Ice I believe owns a wallaroo, which is sort of like a kangaroo. Uh, and that actually brings us to something that I wanted to talk about near the end here. We've got with us uh, Tippy Hedren. I don't need to in- tell you in general who she is, but she's also an animal rights activist who founded the cat sanctuary Shambhala, as well as the Roar Foundation, whose mission is to educate the public on the dangers of owning exotic animals. Tim Harrison, also with us, Director of Outreach for Animals and non Profit dedicated to the rescue and placement of wild animals kept as exotic pets. So, um, Tim, I'm going to start with you. One thing we haven't talked about: we have confined ourselves so far to the ownership of animals, wild animals, which really do exist and have existed elsewhere. But one of the other trends these days is the hybridization of animals, whether we're breeding a, a dog with a, against a wolf, a wolf or something else. Maybe you can say a little bit about that. First of all, how big a trend is it? Uh, how pervasive is it? How many different animals are being hybridized?
3: Well, right off the bat, I was one of the uh, offenders years and years and years ago with wolf hybrids. I was really a person that thought that was a good idea. I mean, we're talking 30, 40, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, the problem with that is, is that there's still the wolf the, the wild animal in that in that uh, animal you can you can breed them in with uh, malamutes. You can bring them in with huskies, bring them in with a German shepherd. The wolf is usually a shy animal, but once you mix them with a German shepherd, you mix them with a malamute, then you've got an animal with you know 1,500 pounds of pressure in its mouth compared to a German shepherd with maybe 600 pounds of pressure. You've got an animal that can jump a fence. It can move around. It's a wild animal. Then you got most people don't understand how to handle those kind of animals. But wolf hybrids are very, very popular animals. They don't call them wolf hybrids anymore. They call them wolf dogs. So that way they don't have the, the law coming down on them all the time. But I'm 100% against that because I can tell you right now there's only one owner for these animals. Once those animals, let's say the owner dies or the owner gets in trouble or the animal hurts somebody else, they take the animal away, they go to a shelter, ask anybody in any Humane Society shelters, these animals have to be put down because they will cannot go to another second owner. It'll never happen. Then we got the cats. You know, all these little cats they have mixed up with all the jungle cats and everything else. Ask anybody that owns one is the best thing to do that really will tell you the truth. Uh, it's not much fun once they reach a certain age. It's fun when they're little and play. And I tease people, too. I said, take, it, take your household cat, how it plays rough with you, put that at 500 pounds as a tiger and see if you can play with that same animal in the same fat. You can't do it. That is the same if you've got a smaller cat. If it's bred in with one of the bengals and that's kind of cats they have, those little cats they call them and sell them, these cats have got surprisingly strength, very quick, and extremely hard, extremely hard to uh, uh, try to calm down or tame. I don't like the word tame because it does never happen.
2: Uh, tippy, you know, you would think it would be, bit bad, be bad enough that people seek um, exoticism uh, and 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 new things just by trying to own something as foolish as a tiger or a lion. But my understanding is now people own ligons and tiger uh, Ligers
4: and, and tigons. Yeah. Yes, if the if the father is a tiger, it's called a tigon. If the father is a lion, it's called a liger. And they uh, they grow to be uh, very large. They have a gigantism gene. Within their makeup, and um, they're a very interesting animal. They speak both languages. They, um, I'm, it's, it's the, and they're beautiful, um, but they're huge. I mean, they can really get huge. You know what I would like to bring up, which we haven't even touched, sure. is the abuse that the circus animals go through, and the animals oh, okay. that are in the, uh, uh, the whales and in this, the, the water shows. Uh, which are uh, absolutely so abusive, and the only the only way that we can stop that is through. If the circus has animals in it, don't go. Do not support it. If they don't have the money, they won't. They won't do this to the animals. And the same thing with the with the whales in those ridiculous shows. Don't. Go to those things.
2: Yeah, I'm sure anybody who's seen the movie. Let's uh,
4: let's say, okay, um, let's take this human and put it in a bathtub for the rest of his life.
2: Right. I think if people have seen the movie Blackfish, they kind of have a sense of this. Hey, Tippy and Tim, we've got a call from Patricia in Bloomfield. Hi, Patricia. You're on the air.
4: Hi,
0: how are you?
2: Good.
4: Good. I um, have read about uh, people in Texas, I think that's where it is, who will buy older Wild animals, typically grazing animals like antelopes and um, wildebeests and things like that,
3: let them them. loose
4: and then for an enormous amount of money allow people, Shaquille O'Neal is one of them, to come and quote unquote hunt them. And I'm wondering if your guests are aware of uh, anybody trying to get legislation against this kind of thing. Those are called canned hunts and uh they uh, texas is is very very uh, i think it's one of the most aggressive states with the canned hunt uh and it is an atrocious thing it is a guaranteed trophy you pay thirty forty thousand dollars whatever you're foolish enough to pay and you will have that rug on the floor and the head on the wall. It's an atrocious yeah. building uh, uh um thing that's happening and um it's another thing that that uh, my bill will stop at least with the with the um exotics uh but it's it 's an it's an abominable thing that goes on It goes on in africa too um these i I call these people psychopaths because that 's who the, who they are who who kill these animals they have you know they're they're like the um the big cats themselves they think that way that um oh i 'd like to have that I want that.
2: Yeah, That seems uh, that to be, be a, th- really a, a, th- a thread that uh, runs through all this. Yeah. I'm going to
4: have killing it.
2: Hey, Tim, we've got one minute left, and one thing that we haven't, haven't touched on is um, animals whose name is preceded by the word teacup, uh, yeah, the idea yeah. that this is going to be a tiny thing. We've got about 60 seconds. Just, just sort of tell us about that and, and what your warning mid- is.
3: It's the miniaturization of anything is not healthy. If it's reptile, if it's mammal, miniaturizing things—we're just messing them up. Look at some of the things that happen to these dogs. Just go to your veterinarian and ask them. Sometimes, what happens to a Shar Look at all the skin diseases they've had, all the underbreeding and things, and making us. Let's start leaving the animals the way they are and quit trying to make them. We've got people out there changing the colors of snakes, making it more confusing for people. They're breeding them different colors, breeding animals like ligons and tygons. We don't need that anymore. We need to get back to leaving the animals alone, exactly the way they are.
2: All right. Well, listen, I want to thank both of you very much uh, and uh, thank Josh and Nalaya also for producing this show. Our guests again have been Tippi Hedren, of course, the award-winning and very famous actress, but also an animal rights crusader, especially through her large cat sanctuary, Shambhala. Tim Harrison, joining us from WYSO in Yellow Springs, Ohio, is the director of Outreach for Animals, a nonprofit dedicated to the rescue and placement of wild animals. This show will go up on wnpr.org later. We'll have links to both Tim's organization and to Tippi organization, so you you've got a leopard in your house, uh, we're going to help you. Josh will come get it and uh, drive it to, to one of these places. Anyway, thanks to everybody who helped out with today's show, and we'll be back tomorrow with The Nose.
1: Lions roar is something that I have heard before a children's tale I don't have pets anymore, so this show is sort of. Excuse me? The ghost of my dead cat, Momo? What? Yeah, I think now's a good time to tell you that while I was alive, I was actually part cat and part sphinx. That makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. Do you want to hear a riddle? No.